Hello and welcome to the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Harditz, and today we continue our Fantasy Files series with a look at DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, and the Seahawks passing attack that was cooking for the first half season of last year. You guys might have heard, you know, Russ cooking, maybe the most overused metaphor, I guess is the right word, uh, in the entire NFL last season. It's all good. I use it myself. I'm sure you have as well. And it was true. We did see Russ end up with a career high 558 pass attempts. And honestly, those first eight games of the year were so special. We talked about on um, the Kyle Murray uh, fancy file, this podcast, how before he injured his shoulder, he was on pace for the most fancy points per game ever by a quarterback. Russ was right behind him until he fell off, not because of injury, just because the defense is kind of catching up to what they were doing. Just realize, people, I know that Russ is kind of an easy guy to make fun of. He's awfully corny. You know, the Mr. Unlimited, the magic concussion healing water from back in the day. There's been a lot of things about Russ. You know, I guess being on Team Sex now with Ciara has maybe made him a little, little cooler uh, in the eyes of the Gen Zers out there and all that. Whatever you think of the guy, though, and I know he came out this offseason and said that there was agent, set, or whoever, that he considered himself a top five QB ever. We can chill on that. But in terms of what he's been since he came into the league in 2012, anyone's idea of a top five quarterback. I mean, this worst year the Seahawks have had with Russell Wilson was in 2017 when he had nine wins, seven losses, and 34 touchdowns. It's eerily similar to Tom Brady's career with the Patriots in terms of he just never had a bad year. Brady's worst year was also nine and seven. That was the only season other than the, you know, 11 pass 2008 campaign where he tore his ACL. That was the only year in 2002 that Brady. He had fewer than 10 wins and he led the league with 28 touchdowns uh, through the air that year, just like Russ led the league with 34 passing touchdowns. The one season he didn't reach double digit wins. So basically point of this, you know, just intro to Metcalf and Lockett about Russ. This guy is anyone's idea of a complete stud elite quarterback, whatever you want to call him. And because of that, he's helped engineer a top 11 scoring offense in eight of his nine seasons. So with Russ under center, this is one of these situations where we can feel pretty good about this offense, putting up a lot of points. And once again, we have an offense that is awfully condensed around top two receivers. And why, why shouldn't they be? Cause I mean, DK Metcalf, another guy that, you know, maybe gets a little bit of gripe here and there coming out. I mean, it is awfully shocking to see him go behind guys like Andy Isabella, you know, falling as far as he did in the draft to 64th overall in 2019. And he just, he's the prime example of us overthinking a prospect in terms of asking, Hey, what can he do instead of what can he do? Cause the route running concerns, those have been overblown from day one. And you can check out Matt Harmon's from uh, Yahoo sports, always brilliant reception perception data on that, or just watch the film. And I think it's one of these things where, we talk about, you know, Lamar Jackson's and these mobile quarterbacks where, okay, they, they face easier coverages schemes because defenses have to be so worried about their, uh, you know, mobility. And it's almost the same thing with DK Metcalf. Like his routes, I think are enhanced because of how much freaking fear he puts in the hearts and souls of these cornerbacks. Cause they have to worry about this dude running past them or just running straight over him because you just don't see monsters like Metcalf six, three, two and 28 pounds, 4.33 second 40. You guys remember the pick of him and AJ Brown, just, you know, flexing with their shirts off. I mean, the fact that those old Miss teams, 
couldn't put up more, you know, just remains one of the bigger mysteries uh, of modern day college football. But basically, even if you don't want to necessarily crown uh, Metcalf as like a top five, top 10 real life receiver at this moment in time, which I don't think we necessarily should. We, we just look at him since entering the league. There's been 80 wide receivers with at least hundred targets. Metcalf ranks 25th in receiving grade, 20th in yards per out run. He does uh, join AJ Brown, Adam Thielen, Mike Evans, Tyree Kill, and Devontae Adams as the only wide receivers with at least 20 receiving touchdowns over the past two years. I'm just saying, I understand why, you know, on some top five, even top 10 wide receiver rankings, he's not on there just yet in terms of the total package. With that said, you cannot make a list of the top field stretching wide receivers in the NFL. You cannot do a top two that does not include DK Metcalf. I think Tyreek Hill is fully deserving of that honor. And I'm not going to sit here and say Tyreek's the best field stretcher in the world. And, you know, go, go and go into that uh, unfortunate uh, pitfall that my buddy slash coworker, Anthony Treehash uh, made for himself a couple weeks ago but with Metcalf man my goodness when he goes downfield he is borderline unstoppable I mean Tyreek has 14 scores on passes thrown at least 20 yards over the past two years Metcalf is right there behind him at 10 nobody has more receptions on throws at least 30 yards downfield so again I understand if you want to hold off on crowning Metcalf as one of the best all-around receivers in the league in terms of field stretching though there is nobody other than Tyreek Hill better at the moment uh, the one negative we see with Metcalf is drops and this is why a reminder, even though we're not talking about him today, not to hold drops against Deontay Johnson, because people, if you look at drop lists, what you're going to see is a whole bunch of great receivers because drops tend to be more indicative of someone getting open a lot than sucking at catching the football. So including the playoffs over the past two years, the most drops in the league, DK Metcalf at 20, Michael Gallup at 20, Deontay Johnson with 18, Tyreek Hill with 18, Stefan Diggs with 17, Mike Evans with 16. Is anyone holding those drops against Stefan Diggs? I don't freaking think so. Before you come at me with the target totals, all of those guys have between 210 and 292 targets. Diggs is number one. So he's probably, you know, the most quote unquote flaw guy there. And, you know, we can talk about Deontay Johnson's uh, difference in average target depth compared to the guys. But interesting study from Next Gen Stats that actually shows you that targets close closer to a line of scrimmage historically produce a higher rate of drops because when you think about it, those are, you know, when you kind of have the ball coming out as hot as it is close to the line, that's where the, you know, misaccuracy can cause a bigger issue with the guy uh, getting his hands on it. Either way, if you want to use drops as a real life stat uh, to kind of judge these receivers, absolutely fine. Just realize we don't lose points for drops in fantasy land. And it's just not something we need to be overly concerned about, particularly for a monster like DK Metcalf. Now we move on to Tyler Lockett, who's fresh off basically the quote unquote worst 100 catch, 1000 yard, 10 touchdown season ever. I mean, Lockett, I know he burned a lot of us last year because he had three amazing games. Otherwise, nothing to write home about. Week three, he had 100 yards and three tutties against the Cowboys. Week seven against the Cardinals, he went for 200 yards and three touchdowns, 15 freaking catches in that game. And then in week 17, after the fantasy uh, you know, redraft playoffs were over, 90 uh, yards and two touchdowns on 12 catches. So look, those first two games were overall wide receiver one performances. He warned you the week. The problem was in the other 13 games, Locke accounted for just two total scores and reached 70 yards only once. That's going to be a sheesh for me, ladies and mostly gentlemen. Basically, though, if you look at Lockett, he still deserves to be in the conversation as a great wide receiver. Like Metcalf, I'm not saying he's a top 10 guy. I'm just saying that if you look at what he's done statistically, ever really since taking over as the number one guy for Doug Baldwin in 2018, Lockett finds himself at the top 
top of pretty much any category. There's been 102 wide receivers with at least 100 targets since 2018. Lockett is 18th in PFF receiving grade, 13th in yards, fifth in touchdowns. Uh, let's see, 33rd in yards per out run, fourth in percentage of catchable passes caught, tied for tied for 16th in drop rate, and number one with 136.3 QB rating when targeted. That's right. Russell Wilson, Tyler Lockett has been the single most efficient quarterback wide receiver combination of the past three seasons, just in terms of QB rating. So he's been anyone's idea of a fantastic player. And he is staying here for a bit longer people Four years, 69.2 million contract extension in April. Not absolutely nice. And it's good. They should keep Lockett. When a player is as good as Lockett, you want to tie him down. And the fact that this guy has missed one game in his career. I mean, I know Lockett kind of plays through some injuries. We've seen stints where they almost use him more as a decoy. So he's had to play through some pain, but still only, yeah, he missed one game in 2016. That's it. So warrior baller, all adjectives that you can use to describe Mr. Tyler Lockett. Want to quickly touch on the rest of these guys. We got Dwayne Eskridge likely looking like the uh, wide receiver three, but I don't know. He's already kind of banged up uh, in camp and all that. And he is basically the oldest rookie you have ever seen. Now I'm pretty sure he is only 24 years old. So I don't want to get too out of line here with the age slander, but look, we're looking at someone five foot nine, 190 pounds on a good day. And he's got the speed. I'm just not so convinced we're going to see this offense enable, you know, three fancy relevant wide receivers. So they haven't been able to do it in the past with Josh Gordon, with David Moore. It's fine. Having him out there should hopefully bring a new dimension uh, to the field. But David Moore, and I think Seahawks fans are backing me up on this. Like David Moore made a habit of making good things happen whenever they gave him chances with the ball over the past few years as well. So I'm not going to sit here and immediately say that Eskridge is going to bring out this better version of the whole offense and provide something that, you know, David Moore wasn't able to do. I'm prepared to be wrong, but with these rookies, you know, I want to see them in the preseason and then early regular season actually, you know, make these sort of plays against NFL competition before we crown them as the next big thing. So Eskridge, I have him right now kind of in the same tier as Terrence Marshall and Kadarius Tony. I see the path to starting in three wide receiver sets. The problem is he's just kind of in a not overly crowded offense, but when you have Metcalf and Lockett so cemented as the top two guys, and it also wouldn't be surprising to see Chris Carson, Gerald Everett, uh, you know, I can see any of these guys also passing Eskridge and targets. So he's just not someone I've really been going out of my way to get in fantasy land. Everett's the more appealing guy because I've just maintained people. If you give Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson, pending all his legal stuff going on, if you give those guys 16 games with a legit tight end that they focus on, we don't get these two or three tight end committees. I think that player scores 10 touchdowns a season. That guy might just be Gerald Everett. You know, we got Will Disley, Colby Parkinson, some other guys in there that could make this a committee, but we got offensive coordinator Shane Waldron, AKA the former Rams passing coordinator, who ever followed to Seattle. And with that in mind, it does seem like he's a favorite to lead the way in receiving in the tight end room. The question is, is he going to lead the way, you know, with the 50% share while the other guys, you know, two or three other guys combined for the other 50% or is he going to lead the way 80, 90% share? I am a little more bullish uh, on the, uh, you know, ladder scenario occurring, but we will see what's what. And I guess the final point is, you know, earlier in this off season, Pete Carroll had a, you know, pretty funky press conference where he talked, about just wanted to establish the run more and getting Schottenheimer wasn't even doing that enough. And when they brought in Waldron, it was a little bit concerning thinking like, okay, 
the Pete Carroll was bringing the one guy who I promised he would run the ball as much as possible. And it doesn't look that way right now. We got Russ already praising Waldron for, you know, his new up-tempo system. It seems like one of the big things they're focusing on is more passing in the shorter intermediate areas of the field. Hey, it's great when you're hitting those deep balls, but the second, you know, defenses stayed in too high against the Seahawks. We saw a lot of issues emerge. So it seems like Waldron is actually doing a better job completing the entire passing game and adding new dimensions to it. We can only hope at the end of the day, I'm not even convinced the Seahawks could be a run first offense if they wanted to, because this defense again, looks awful. Last year, they ranked 28th in points per game allowed before quote unquote, fixing their defense in the final six games. People here are the quarterbacks the Seahawks faced in those final six games, Dwayne Haskins, Carson Wentz, a hurt version of Jared Goff, CJ Bethard, Sam Darnold, and Colt McCoy. That's going to be a sheesh from me. Takes us to our PFF Lily stat for Metcalf and Lockett and people. The stat is nobody has more end zone targets than Metcalf at 32 and Lockett 29 since 2019. Russell Wilson gets these guys two of the most fantasy friendly roles in the league. And for that reason, I am back in on Metcalf repeating his status as a wide receiver one, not so much Lockett. I have Metcalf as my wide receiver eight Lockett. I do see falling a little bit. I have him down there as my wide receiver 19, but people last year, I mean, Metcalf finished as the wide receiver six Lockett finished as the wide receiver eight. So as you know, annoying as Lockett's production was, he still got those yards and there is a case to be made that we do want someone that has the chance and ability to win us weeks, not necessarily just provide these floor games. So Lockett is someone that is wait for it better in best ball because of this, you know, boom bust style he has. I'm taking him ahead of, uh, you know, the Bengals and the Rams wide receivers behind the Tampa Bay guys behind Julio Jones. But I think Lockett is almost, you know, his price is getting a little too depressed uh, based on again, that contract and his status as Russell Wilson's at worst one B receiver Metcalf. I have my PPR wide receiver eight. He's essentially my number two uh, receiver that isn't their passing games outright. Number one option. Tyree kill is obviously, you know, him and Kelsey share, but he has Mahomes. and he's Tyree freaking Hill. I have Hill higher, but Metcalf at wide receiver eight. I, I think it's a good spot for him. I have him behind Keenan Allen, Michael Thomas, Calvin Ridley, Hopkins, Diggs, Tyree kill and Adams. And that's just in full point per reception. I would actually be comfortable bumping up Metcalf to wide receiver six and half point and uh, standard league. I am confident enough in him being special making the most out of his opportunities here moving forward. Definitely will be taking Metcalf ahead of Justin Jefferson, AJ Brown, Terry McLaurin, Amari Cooper, CD lamb guys, I think have even potentially more target competition than what he is dealing with. And they maybe don't have the same sort of chemistry. We've seen Metcalf with Russell Wilson, finally Gerald Everett. I have as my tight end 16 behind the Patriots guys, but ahead of some bigger names like Mike Jasicki and Evan Ingram. Thank you, as always, for tuning in to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. And people, I invite you to check out our PFF College Football Preview Magazine, which just came out on June 28th. Only $7.99 with, a PFF, with PFF College grades and subscription, complete with 600-plus pages of analysis, best returning players for all 130 teams, advanced scheme breakdown, strength of schedule, and win projections, and more. Again, that's available with any PFF College or PFF Edge subscription. Get it now for less than $8. If you like what you see there, hey, why not go play some best ball? Because what better way? to you know cap off an evening if you do go over to underdog fantasy and people best balls a season long game where you draft the team like you normally do but that's it there's no one season roster management underdog automatically selects your best performers each week saving you loads of time go to underdog fantasy and deposit ten dollars using promo code pff and get a free pff edge annual subscription that's promo code pff draft now underdog fantasy i believe this podcast is out on 
July 1st, which is Thursday. With that in mind, I will be doing a best ball draft for my guy, Andrew Erickson, and maybe even Nathan Yonke, maybe Kevin Cole, maybe Jared Evans. I don't know. There will be PFF guys out there, 7 p.m. Eastern. Don't miss it. I'll be barking. I'll be drinking. I will be best ball in. Final thing I want to get off my chest. Shout out Big Wave Beer, Kona Breweries. I, I was saying on uh, Twitter last week, Big Wave Beer is my fantasy football 1.01 of beers. It's, you know, for all you IPA stands out there, it's only 4.4%. It's a golden nail. If you want to call me soft, okay, fine. You know, I'm not going to get too offended by it. With that said, though, if you go to the ocean and you want to, you know, just have a beer you can drink 15 of without getting too uh, hammered about it, I think Big Wave is the one for you. I get this stuff all the time. They don't sponsor this podcast, but they should. Uh, maybe they shouldn't. Then I would have a uh, deep drinking problem, likely, if this stuff was on my doorstep every single day. But that's a concern for another day. So Big Wave beer, I love you. You taste delicious. If you haven't tried it, give it a shot, particularly on one of these hot summer days. That's going to do it for the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. Everybody, new episodes every single day throughout the summer, and we'll be ramping up some 10 questions and hopefully get some more player interviews here as the months roll on. Of course, you can find these podcasts in an article form. You know, they're different. I do more uh, kind of freewheeling here on the podcast, but I really believe that writing helps kind of uh, rationalize your thoughts, forces you to stay organized. And I think, you know, being a good podcaster uh, goes hand in hand with being a good writer. So grinding those away, hundred article series in a hundred days over at PFF.com. I mean, hearted. Thank you as always for listening. And until next time, take care everybody. 